WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQ&A, the official podcast of the WMQ Comics website. I'm your host, Dan Grote. This week we're talking with T. Franklin, the writer behind Bingo Love and Juke Joint, her new image series with Aletha Martinez that comes out this Wednesday. Uh, T's going to be at New York Comic Con later this week and is doing a big signing at Midtown Comics with a bunch of other image folk in New York, uh, which we'll talk about in this episode. Uh, we also talk about her comics origin story, uh, one of my favorites, uh, how Juke Joint Number 1 will help people who have experienced sexual or domestic abuse, and how Whitney Houston's I'm Your Baby Tonight totally syncs up with the 90s X-Men cartoon theme. Uh, later on, Matt Lazowitz and I will talk a little bit about the death of artist Norm Breifogel, who drew some of Matt's earliest Batman stories. Uh, but first, we've got a lot of stuff coming up over at WMQComics.com that I am dying to tell you about. Uh, we are celebrating the relaunch of Uncanny X-Men next month with Unktober, a new initiative in which we want you, our readers, uh, to share with us your favorite issue of Uncanny. Uh, if you've got about 250 words in you on how the end of the Dark Phoenix saga in issue 137 changed your life, or how you enjoyed Colossus getting beat up by the Juggernaut in 183, send them our way at uh, wmqgrams at gmail.com. Also later this month, we're going to be recording a live WMQ&A episode during Halloween Comic Fest at uh, Level Up Entertainment in the Hamilton Mall in Maze Landing. We're reassembling the three amigos, myself, Matt Lazowitz, and Rob Lynch, and a special guest or two to talk horror comics, so look for that in a few weeks. Uh, Content-wise, uh, I've also got a bonus reading column on four crazy crossovers, a la Archie vs. Predator, a uh, review by Joshua Bermont on Heroes in Crisis number 1, and a piece by Andrew Magazoo on how Boom Studios' Power Rangers comics are the best the franchise has ever put out. So you can check all that out over at WMQComics.com. And now here's me and Matt and T. Um, let's start off with a little icebreaker. Uh, I think I think you saw this on Twitter today. It's kind of been making the rounds. That uh, post about how the '90s X-Men theme uh, sounds like a uh, sped-up version of Whitney Houston's "I'm Your Baby Tonight." Yo, I saw that tweet and it blew my mind. Right? That's crazy. <laughs> well, I was like, "Wait, what are you talking about?" No, it wasn't. And then I listened. I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, you hum the ma- it, 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 the math checks out. <laughs> uh, seriously, I'm just yo that yeah that yeah man like that <laughs> totally like left me speechless. I couldn't. I never ever realized it. Even watching it, you know, later in life, again, I've seen this show so many times, and I've <laughs> never made the freaking connection, and it just. Yo, Twitter, man, Twitter is something else, man. It's, Twitter is, boy, every day you learn something new, boy. It's a useful tool when it's not a garbage fire. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Because who and who in the hell put two and two together? Like, what? Whitney Houston. And, and here's the thing. Uh, I... I, I don't know this for certain, and I should have looked it up beforehand, but w- was on your baby tonight on the Bodyguard soundtrack? No, I don't it, believe so. Mm-mm. Okay, so it would have been earlier then, right? Yeah. Okay, because a party was like, well, if it was on the Bodyguard soundtrack, that and X-Men came out at the same time. So how are people not humming one or the other like all day, every day? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm your baby tonight. I want to say, I want to say that came out in like the, 80s i want to say that that makes sense okay yeah because whitney started in like the mid 80s so yeah so either i want to say like late 
80s. If anything, like, no, because the X-Men came out in what, 90, no, 90, mid 90s, wasn't it? X-Men was 92 when it started. 92? Really? Okay. So, no, it definitely, now I need to look it up. To the internet. (laughs) Okay. So, 1990. It came out. Okay, two year difference. Yeah. Still, either way, it's yeah. still wild. <laughs> oh man, yeah, it blows blows my mind, man. So uh, this this is a good uh, opportunity to segue. Uh, you've got a really big week coming up next week. Uh, you've got Juke Joint coming out on October third from Image with uh, Aletha Martinez. Um, kind of just to start us off, you know, tell us a little bit about the uh, the series. Yeah, this is my first series, so I'm very nervous. The countdown is here, seven days. Oh boy. Um, I'm really nervous. I hope y'all like it. Um, uh, Juke Joint is a, the name of the series as well as the name of the jazz brothel in New Orleans. Um, It's set in the 1950s. And I would say that it is American Horror Story. The Coven, the Coven uh, season meets Law and Order SVU. That's how I would have to describe it. Um, like if Olivia Benson was a black woman who had supernatural powers, and instead of locking up these creeps, she kills them. So yeah, that's how I would uh, describe that. I love it. That that's an elevator yeah, that, pitch. That is a great <laughs> elevator pitch. Sweet. Um, the uh, you know, I, I should say, uh, Matt and I have both read you know, the, the advanced review copy, and it is it is fantastic. Phenomenal. Oh, thank you guys so much. Um, I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Uh, thank you for writing it. Uh, Mahalia, the the uh, central character of the first issue, her rules feel very simple and very appropriate, you know, at, for running the juke joint for our uh, kind of me too times. Keep your hands to yourself, be respectful, and all your fantasies can come true. Get handsy, get grabby, get violent, get fed your own nutsack by a coven of voodoo vampires. Those Basically. seem like, yeah, those seem like good rules for life. <laughs> right, right. And I wrote this back in 2015. So this was before, you know, the, the me too movement was, you know, pushed into... You know, not the Me Too movement has been around for 10 years, but it wasn't really pushed into the limelight until recently. Mm -hmm. So when I wrote this, this was just me going through my own traumatic shit. I can Mm -hmm. curse. Can I curse? I'm sorry. No. Oh, yeah. No, go ahead. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I was going through my own crap that I needed to get through. And it just so happened to deal with, you know, sexual assault and and, um, domestic violence. So when the Me Too movement came into the spotlight, it was a, like, what? Oh, wow. This is really happening. Folks are being taken to 
okay, I like this. So, you know, I'm like, <laughs> hey, image. Well, not like, well, no, I do. It, it, it's sort of kind of, you know, it's a bittersweet, um, you know, feeling it sucks that these women and men have gone through all of this. But now they are being heard and they're given their day, right? And these creeps are being taken to task. You know, they're losing everything. And in my book, they're just being killed. Forget losing everything. They're just losing their life, period. Like, (laughs) it's a wrap, you know? Especially if you're one of the ones who have stepped foot inside of the juke joint, right? Rules are all over the joint. (laughs) Yes, multiple places on the same walls. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Like, follow them, stupid assholes. But <laughs> men want to be men, so hey. Oh, you know? words. Sorry, guys. Not no, sorry. No, <laughs> no. You shouldn't be. No. It's just painful. It, it's painfully painful to hear, but it is absolutely something that needs to be said. Right. It's a, a point that needs to be made, no matter how awful it is to hear every time. Cautionary tales are cautionary tales for a reason. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Very true, very true. Very true. But, you know, in the real world, there are no supernatural... (sighs) Yeah, there's no supernatural lights, you know, coven of women just hanging around, just waiting to kill guys. You know, it would be cool if it was. Um, Because, boy, oh, boy, do I have a list. <laughs> but you know, um, me writing them and maybe or maybe not having them in um, juke joint helps, right? It helps. Sure. And, so, and yeah. one way that it helps is you know you've got a variant cover by Mike Hawthorne. The benefits of which are going to uh, nonprofits started, I believe, by Mariska Hargitay, speaking of Olivia Benson, uh, that go to uh, assisting vis- victims of rape and domestic violence. Yes. Yes. I, I, um, back in 2007, I had my own, um, my ex-husband did try to kill me in front of my daughters. And there was a time that we had, I had no money. We were homeless. We had no food. We had absolutely nothing. And if it wasn't for charities like the Joyful Heart Foundation, I have no idea where we would be, what would be happening in our lives right now. So I wanted to use my platform to help those who are, you know, who are currently in a situation that I've been in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just figured, why not? Why not use my platform for good? And you know, giving proceeds to Mike Hawthorne's, you know, from Mike Hawthorne's variant is just, I don't know. I just hope it helps. Uh, You've, you've been pretty candid, you know, uh, in interviews and, and on your own website. Have, has that, have you found a lot of people reaching out to you to, to share similar stories? Oh man, all the time. Even when I, you know, I tweet things, folks are really, they reach out to me often. Um, I I am I'm a mom and I have five kids, but three are living. Mm-hmm. Um, I bury two children, and even when I speak about you know what I've gone through and how I'm just you know 
hating life and just want to be with my kids that are no longer living. I've had parents reach out to me, thanking me for sharing and for understanding what they, you know, what they're going through. So even though it might seem really weird that I'm sharing these stories and putting all of my life out there, I feel like it's not just for me that whoever is meant to help, it's meant to help. And, you know, hopefully my words will reach them and that they're not, you know, I've, there was one time I was even tweeting about suicide and one woman reached out to me and said she had plans on committing suicide today, but she saw my tweets and decided to stay here. So that was, you know, you never know what somebody's going through and your words can actually help them. So yeah, I'm super candid. It, it helps therapeutically and it just, you know, it helps others that I've never met before. You know, getting back to Juke Joint, you know, the timing of the release is pretty fantastic, not just because October is, you know, horror month and, and you've got, uh, you know, a, a horror comic coming out, but, you know, it it's New York Comic Con that same week. So you've got perhaps, you know, the biggest possible platform with which to promote the book. Uh, you know, I read on uh, Newsarama today, they're predicting like 250,000 attendees this year, one of which will be me on Friday. But, uh, you know, what is what is your con schedule like for, for NYCC this year? It is, honestly, it's light. It's super light. I know I've got, like, a few interviews, but other than that, I have one signing at the image booth, and other than that, I'm just chilling at my table. It gets really light, and I was super shocked at that, but I'm pretty sure it will end up with last minute, hey, T, you want to join this or do this? I'm sure it will. Because it always, it always does at New York Comic Con. Something, something always happens at New York Comic Con in a good way. So I would not be surprised if I had some random, hectic things going on in my schedule. Um, I will be the major thing, well, major for me, I'm mm-hmm. doing a huge signing at Midtown Comics. I've got to sign like 600 issues of Juke Joy. Wow. Yeah, I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm not serious. Y'all got 600 copies of my book? Oh, shit. Nice. Hi, <laughs> where, where, where are your wrist casts? Watch out for repetitive use injuries. <laughs> yeah. Is that the Midtown? Because there's which location? Just um, so our listeners know. Oh. Um, um, hmm. I want to say it's the Midtown one. Okay. I really, because I'm, it's a whole bunch of, of image folks there. And I want to say it is the image one. Wait, let me look it up. It is the, oh, I was wrong. Listeners, <laughs> don't go to Midtown. It's downtown. Ah. <laughs> it's downtown Thursday, October 4th at 8 p.m. Okay. Yeah. Matt, Jerry thanks for pointing Duggan, out this. Ooh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Jerry Duggan, uh, Mirka Andolfo, Joe Casey, David O'Sullivan, and John McRae. 
All that, of this will be signing at the Midtown Comics downtown. That's a murderer's row if there ever was one. Right? It's a good like pff, image is image is fantastic right now. They've got they got all they got all the cool kids. <laughs> so many great books. For real. For real. Absolutely. Uh, and Matt, thank you for pointing out the distinction between Midtown Comics because I didn't realize that myself. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I, I mostly go to the I I don't think I've been to the downtown one yet. So the October 4th is sadly a day I cannot make it into New York, but I'm going to have to check that out at some point. Um, but while we're, we're talking about the subject of conventions, uh, you were in the Artist Alley a couple of weeks ago for Keystone Comic Con, the uh, new show in Philadelphia. Um, how, how, did that, how did that con treat you? How, what did you think of the first year show? That's, well, the first year show is definitely a brand new show that folks don't really know about. That's an incredibly diplomatic and accurate answer. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm certain that year two will be awesome sauce. Yes. (laughs) It was a good show. Uh, I got to hang out with my good homie, Kyle Starks. He is the funniest, the best. Like we were just chilling every day at the con. He was either chilling at my table or I was chilling at his table. So you can read into that. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you want. But we had a really great time together. Um, So yeah, yeah. Really, really cool. Cool con. Yeah, go Philly. All right. (laughs) And you seem to have a, be having a night some busy table time uh at flame con where i saw you last yes flame con was super busy flame con had me i love flame con like i just love love flame con flame con is actually my daughter's favorite con and she hates all the cons (laughs) so she's like Oh, wait, it's Flame Con? I'll go with you to that one. I don't want to do any other con, especially New York. I'm like, well, damn, girl. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, Flame Con is really cool. You know, you get to be... I feel like Flame Con is, is um, a con where you can totally be yourself, especially if you are a queer person. You can just be you. You don't have to worry about anybody looking at you funny or just you know, calling your names or treating you any kind of way. FlameCon is just really badass. And I will try and go every year as long as they'll have me. That's awesome. I, I've never been, but it definitely looks fun as hell. Uh, Matt, I know you had a good time uh, yeah. when you went. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is dope. It was it was It was a really cool con. As you said, everybody was just super friendly and super you know you you do you and i saw my first cosplayer as a member of the legion of superheroes in a long time which for some reason really stuck out in my head it's like huh there's a cosmic boy i haven't seen a cosmic anybody cosplay as cosmic boy in ever (laughs) wow it's always great when cosplayers do the obscure stuff i love that um You've uh, you've talked in the past about how conventions have have uh, you know treated you and accommodated you as as a woman with a disability. Have things improved in that arena in the past year? 
fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um, um, this year I had a few back-to-back cons where I was on panels and no one had a ramp for me to get up on and I just lost it at the last con which was book con and I just like I totally totally lost it I broke down crying um I posted a video I ended up going viral which was just really really weird like this 30 second video explaining what happened and it was like a hundred and something thousand views I'm like what the hell just happened and folks were like see I'm so sorry um we will do better and I'm like yeah okay cool sure um all right whatever but then I had the American Library Association folks who run the account reached out to me and said, I know you're on X amount of panels. I promise we will have ramps for you. And they kept their word. They had all these ramps for me. So it was pretty awesome to, you know, it sucked that it had to happen, but hopefully folks will just pay attention and, you know, reach out to some, you know, reach out to their guests and say, hey, do you guys need, is anybody here disabled? Does anybody need a, you know, a ramp? Does anybody need, you you know, I even feel like there should be ASL interpreters at these cons when they're doing panels, but they don't have things like that. You know, disabled people are just non-existent I guess we don't go to cons which I know is bullshit but they don't I don't know we're just we're we're non-factor to people and it sucks I I I I am sorry that you had to experience that and I you know I'm 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 glad that some of these shows were able to you know rectify things for you hopefully as as we go forward you know, they'll be more proactive, uh, obviously, you know, uh, for a medium that in some ways over the years has kind of clung to its outsider status. You, you would think that, you know, the dis- there would be more sort of consideration for the disabled community. But, you know, I, I, that's also coming from a guy just sitting, sitting in a basement. So, uh, yeah, it's not even... Definitely don't. Um, yeah, uh, we could talk about this for hours, but it's not no. even. You know, it's yeah. it's just it, it's unfortunate that you know, even when it comes to people online posting um, disabled people as inspiration, like no, we're not fucking inspiration. We're people, right? Right, and. All we want to do is just go on about our business without you guys being like, oh, my God, this is so inspiring. Like, what? No, it's not inspiring at all. Why? Are we lifting you up because you got a shitty day? Because you're like, oh, I'm so glad I'm not disabled. And not your inspiration porn. Go whack off to some regular porn like everybody the hell else. Right? Because <laughs> I'm not it. And neither is anybody else who's disabled. We just want to go on about our lives. Right? 
and it's it's just yeah. Anyways, Juke Joy. Juke Joy. That's right. Woo. Yes. <laughs> Juke Joy. Bingo Love, which we love too. Yeah. That, it, it's, been a, it's been a year for you. I mean, honestly, I, you know, uh, it's OG, uh, Bingo Love came out in February. You're OGN about two older black women who, who reconnect and fall in love all over again after decades apart. Um, we had on uh, Erica Schultz, who edited the book not too long ago, and I, I was talking to her about Bingo Love. Uh, you know, I, I told her, you know, I finished reading that book and, you know, tears. It was beautiful. I, you know, just, I guess, take us back a little bit farther in time, like two years ago before, you know, Bingo Love, before Image, before, you know, Juke Joint. Uh, you know, what, what was what was T. Franklin doing then? Oh, I was um, a comics. Um, I was reviewing comics. That's what I was doing two years ago. Um I was reviewing comics, interviewing creators, and visiting cons with my press pass. Like, that's what I was doing two years ago. And Joshua Williamson, the writer of Nailbiter, I went to go interview him at the Image booth. And Which uh, which show is this? I'm sorry. Do you remember? New York Comic Con 2015. 2016. Right? 2016? Yeah, 2016. No, 2015. Okay. One of those. Yeah. It all blurs blurs together after a while. (laughs) Because, yeah, I would have just trying to replace the issue of Nailbiter, and I think it would have to be 15 for that issue to have come out when it did. Right. I I think you're right, because 2016, the issue came out, I believe. Yeah. So 2015. 2016, the issue came out. And then 2017, Bingo Love came out. Yep. The, yep. Oh, God, that was such a great story. The, <sighs> the outfit and Juan Ferreira's art, everything about it was just this perfect. Was it six pages? Four. Four. I, four perfect four pages. I love a you know quick in and out little short story that just has that perfect you know Twilight Zoney. Richard Matheson twist at the end. And oh, that was such a good story. Yes, that, listen. Oh my God. I will never, I go into the image booth and I literally walk in. This is a, I had my cane, so I didn't have my, I, I wasn't using, um, you know, a scooter that I do now. So mm-hmm. walking with my cane, I'm like, hey, Josh, how you doing? I didn't even get to sit down before he was like, hey, T, do you want four pages? I was like, I'm sorry, what now? (laughs) He's like, do you want four pages? I'm like, I can't write. He's like, are you serious, T? Do you want these four pages? I'm like, yeah, okay, sure, don't yell, I'll take it. Oh my God, so awesome. So I go downstairs to the artist alley, and I'm like, Hi, Juan. You don't know me, but I really love your work. Joshua Williamson, he gave me four pages for Nailbiter. Would you like to be my artist? <laughs> He's looking at me like, who is this bitch? <laughs> 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 he was like, okay, sure. And that was literally it. That's how I got it. And I just was so, I couldn't believe this is happening. And I reached out to Gail after New York Comic Con was over. And I'm like, Gail, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Girl, let me tell you. 
And, <laughs> and for like, everyone out there listening, that is Gail Simone. Gail Simone. Who, as we all know, is the best. The yes. best. <laughs> that is my sister from another mister. Like, Gail <laughs> is my blood, right? Gail is my blood. She is the aunt to my children. Like, this woman means everything to me. And I told her that I've got this gig. And she's like, well, what are you going to write? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I have no idea. So she's like, all right, figure it out. Come back to me. I'm like, okay, whatever. Right. I'm not thinking anything else of it. I go and I'm like, hey, Gil, these are like four stories I have. And I gave her each one little pitch. She's like, huh, I like this. I'll edit it for you. Just like I'm that. Sorry, what? Wow. <laughs> yeah. I had a dream team for my first comics gig. Gail fucking Simone as my editor. <laughs> no way. No way. It was so it was so unexpected and just like the whole the way how it whole thing came together from Josh to Gail. It was just so it was so wild, so wild. And Gail has been, she has been my my cheerleader. She's so amazing. She really is. Love that woman to death. Uh, you know, we we uh, we actually we met we talked to you briefly at uh, Camden Comic Con. You told us that story, and and that that story does not. Let me tell you, that story does not get old. That is probably one of my favorite origin stories in comics. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the, the minute that we got this interview with you set up, I was I put in our little Google Docs that, that we keep. Like we need to get her to tell the the nail biter story because it's so great. It's so cool because it was so unexpected, right? I never realized that I, for one, had this ability to write comics or just to write. Period. You know, just doing interviews and and writing reviews is totally different you know than mm-hmm. coming up with your own story to write and put out there to the masses so when josh offered it to me i'm like i can't write like no i can't and it was so weird because so many creators kept telling me that i needed to write and i'm like what do you see that I don't, because I see the shit that I write, and oh, boy, <laughs> you're funny. You're real funny. But apparently they were right, because I, that Nailbiter story sold out, Bingo Love sold out, and I'm hoping that Juke Joint sells out. So, I mean, I just, I still can't believe that this is, you know, my life, this is what I'm doing right now is writing comics and traveling the freaking country. It's so weird. And, you know, the other thread that kind of unites a lot of these stories is New York Comic Con, because that's where you talk to Josh. And last year, or was it last year? Yeah, it was like, I think it was last year. Correct me if I'm wrong. But that's where it got announced that Image was picking up Bingo Love, uh, you know? Yep. These things come in threes. (laughs) I know, I know. And now Juke Joint is coming out. 
Mm-hmm. The day before a freaking New York Comic Con. Oh boy. I'm nervous. I'm not going to lie to y'all. Like, this is different, right? Because Bingo Love had its little audience. Mm-hmm. You know, it had its audience. It had folks, you know, already, they already read some of the book, right? This, for Juke Drink, this is nothing. There is no, minus a little bit of promotion. That's it. You know, there hasn't been any, um, you know, nobody has really, nobody has really done anything. You know, nobody has seen it minus the preview. Like, this is it. This, I had nothing to go on. So they might just say, oh, oh right, queer grandmas. I don't know. <laughs> No. Like, like that, that's your that's your free bird. Uh, uh, is that what we're <laughs> oh, man, no, I, I as a connoisseur of horror comics, it was one of the best horror number ones I've read in a long time. It ranks up there with actually that first issue of Nailbiter as a you know, ooh, this is building a world that is fascinating and creepy and you just can't look away from oh man thank you so much what what What? so if you need somebody to put a blurb on the trade (laughs) dead ass (laughs) that is so wild okay so let me tell you how how kismet this whole Joshua nail biter thing is please I I um I spoke briefly on you know the situation with my ex-husband so I always read comics got into them when I was a kid loved them got married had kids I had to choose am I gonna feed my kids am I gonna buy comics so I did the right thing and fed my kids. <laughs> I wanted comics, but you know, I'm a mom now, so I gotta do mom shit. And I really got out of comics for damn near a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, when Nailbiter came out, I probably was, I was just starting to get back into comics it was on issue five when I first walked back into a comic book store after a decade plus and I'm like look I'm not really into capes but I love horror you have anything right because now I didn't know that they even have horror comics I because again I wasn't I didn't keep up with the times. I didn't know what was going on. I just knew that superheroes and that was all that was in comics. So I figured, you know, there might be some something with an alternative Wonder Woman killing Superman. I don't know. <laughs> Give me something hard, right? Sure. And they told me about freaking Nailbiter. And they showed me the cover. And I just was like, holy shit. This guy is eating. What? <laughs> give it to me. Like, I don't know. I was just like this kid in a candy store. And I was like, oh my God, give this to me now. <laughs> and I bought 
every number one, the first edition cover, and I just was in love with freaking Nailbiter. I started to tweet about my, you know, obsession with Nailbiter, and Joshua followed me on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, I, I'm a new person in comics, and I'm starting to write about comics, and do you mind if I interview you? Here's a review. It's like, yo, this is cool. Yeah, man, let's do it. And a few years later, he gave me that freaking gig that changed everything. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh. That, so, so that, be nice to your comics pros, folks, because. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Seriously. Be, be nice to them, because you, ne- you really never know. Right? Like, Scott Snyder is also, you know, he's a family friend. He talks to my daughter and, and gives her advice all the time. Right? Gail, again, another member of my family. Like, I have some amazing, well-known creators who are friends to me. Fam- people who I considered family. Like, I love these people with all of my heart. And we just connected on Twitter before I was this T Franklin, right? Before I was her, you know, I was always T Franklin, but I wasn't this T Franklin. I was just a comic book geek who, you know, just recently found a new love for comics all over again. And I just started to write about them and review them and send links to these people. I didn't know if they were reading it or not. Mm-hmm. And they just struck up conversations and started to follow. And, you know, I invited places to go to their homes and, and chill out with them and shit. So you just, you never know, man. This is, this is restoring my faith in comics right now, this conversation. I gotta, I gotta be honest. <laughs> well, not restoring, but, you know. Strengthening, strengthening. That's the that that's the word for it. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, what are you What are you reading right now? Uh, if you have If you have the time. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, right. Time. Sure. Um, <laughs> I have I have been reading um, some prose books. I <laughs> full disclosure. I am dipping my big toe into the prose world. Okay. Yeah. And that is all I can say about that without getting in trouble. We'll take it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Sure. Um, But for reading, I am, well, Reflections by Elizabeth Lim. It's, um, Mm -hmm. It's a Disney thing. What if Mulan had traveled to the underworld? That was really freaking cool. Um, Daniel Jose Olders, I love his Shadow Shaper books. Um, and let's see, there was, I don't remember who the, I cannot recall offhand who the creator is, but um, their book is called Sheets. Okay. And it is a, it's a ghost in a laundromat. Oh, I heard about this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, oh, it was just... 
Oh, I just was reading about this. Yeah, I think it's at like Lion Forge or something like that. Yeah, it's uh, Brenna somewhere. That's who it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is so good. I got that book at um, from Lion Forge at BookCon. And I, when I first saw the cover, I was like, oh my God, this looks amazing. <laughs> and I turned into like this big fan. And I'm like, oh my God, I love your work. And I got excited and I totally geeked out. And I read it. And I just devoured it. It was so good. So good. Such a great graphic novel. I don't know if it's out yet or if it's coming out or it just came out or something. Uh, not sure. If it's not out yet, um, it should be out soon. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking it up right now. Do, 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 do sheets from Lion Forge. Do you have a release date? Well, it was solicited in June, so that would be August was the release, so it should be out now. Wait, it was so, so freaking good. Oh, man, it was so good. But yeah, I'm very, I'm very much right now getting my hands on some prose stuff because, again, I'm just, I'm I'm traveling over into that world of, the wonderful wide world of prose. I'm, uh... I'm dipping my toe, dipping my toe. I've got some <laughs> little things happening, you know. Um, because comics is great. I love comics. Totally love comics, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, comic, com. I'm keeping it real. Comics don't pay bills like that, right? It no, I hear you. Know? you. Yep. <laughs> Just doesn't, you know, unless you're a Gail Simone or a, you know, Kelly Sue, Scott Snyder, you know. Donny Cates type of a person, which I am not. So, you know, I have got to, you know, I want to put out books. I, I don't want to go into debt. Right? And right. these books are, oh my God, baby, let me tell you, these books, right? Because Image does not pay for, you know, Image doesn't give you a page, right? Image is like, is the book done? Give us the book, you know? So, mm-hmm. You got to shell out that money and, ooh, baby, I'm broke. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I, I've got to, I still want to be able to tell stories, but, you know, kickstarting is a lot of work and, Certainly. you know, again, I'm not writing any freelance stuff. So I do hear YA novels is, you know. There's okay. there's gold in them in our hills, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit, just a little bit. So you know, um, I'm I'm I am still going to do comics. Um, I do have I have another Bingo Love book coming out in November of this year, and the well, not the final, but the other Bingo Love book will be dropping in 2020. So I'm still gonna be in comics. I'm still going to. Um, I've got some cool things that I cannot announce yet, but um, I will say I'm doing another heart story. Ooh. Awesome. But I can't say myself. I, we, we understand and respect the NDA. <laughs> yes. Yeah, man, those damn things. That's some bullshit, man. <laughs> I, can't, I can't hold water. You hear me? I'm like, oh, bitch, let me tell you. Girl, let me tell you. But I can't tell. <laughs> I'm like, I can't tell because 
you know, I like to work <laughs> and eat. <laughs> so I just got to swallow really, really, really hard and not um, share these things. And it's kind of hard to do when you've got like this freaking cool gig that you want to tell everybody about. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, T, you can't. And I'm like, but why? <laughs> like, why? I just want to share the good news, guys. Come on. But yeah, it don't work like that at all. There, there are there are some creators who who you know obviously they're so used to how the, the the game is played that they've just become experts at like playing coy until that like I don't know somebody turns the key like three months out when the solicits come out and then they just kind of blurt this thing that that you know they they've been kind of flirtily hinting at for like a month or two. Yes. <laughs> Brian yeah. Edward Hill, I'm looking at you, Batman and the Outsiders. <laughs> Hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> Brian, Brian is a very talented dude. He's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Let me ask you, you are a, uh, you're, you're a Jersey girl. Uh, you know, uh, where do, do you have like a regular shop around here? Or, you know, in Ooh. the state? <laughs> I mean, okay. So, I used to live in Bergen County Uh and my shop there was the Joker's Child that's in Fairlawn, New Jersey. I have not, I used to go there. I had an ex-girlfriend who lived near there and I would go to the Joker's Child fairly regularly back in the day. Yes, that is my shop. I just moved last year and um, the shop that is near me is one of those shops. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can hear the capital S in that word in that shops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is definitely one of those shops. Um, you know, I went in there and I'm like, hey, my name is T Franklin. I am a writer at Image. I would love to come and sign here. I've got books coming out, you know. And then he was, <laughs> I was like, Oh, really? Image? I'm like, yeah, really image wow you and i'm like okay thank you have a nice one yeah so shout out to that shop Mm -hmm. again you're being very diplomatic which is (laughs) very very nice of you (laughs) yep nice shop buddy nice shop yeah so i'm i'm very um and my favorite was last week. Yeah, last week I went to another shop, probably like 20 minutes from here. I'm like, well, maybe I'll have luck, you know, at a different shop. And told him who I was and everything. I'm like, hey, I would love to shop. You know, I would love to sign here. He's like, okay, so why don't you go on Facebook and email me and let me know that you want to sign? I was like, what? Mug? You're right there. I'm right huh? here telling you Literally. to your face. In your face. Well, I want to sign. That's the opposite of how this is supposed to work. Exactly. You don't need Facebook. I have face. Yours. I have face. So let's book this, right? Like, what? And I know good and damn well, if that was Scott Snyder who walked in there, mm-hmm. he would not ask Scott. To email him. That guy would be on his on knees, Facebook. Wayne and Garthing. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, and I know I'm not, I know I am not Scott, right? I know I don't have plenty of years in this game. I know I am new to this industry. So I'm not trying to make myself seem bigger than I am because I know I'm not. However, I'm telling you, I want to sign in your store. Literally Let's giving them the business. Yeah. All right. So Jersey comic shops do better, please. <laughs> yeah. South Jersey, South Jersey. Uh, yeah. South Jersey is just not, it's just not meant for me to sign in South Jersey. Um, Philly, you know, I love uh, amalgam. Oh, I was, we just all there. do. Yes. Oh yeah. I was just there last week. God, it's such a great store. It's such a great store. It's phenomenal. And the coffee's and this good too. It wasn't 40 minutes <laughs> away from me. That's the only thing. Otherwise, I'd be there all the time. That 40 minute drive, I'm not. I, I love me. I love me some Ariel, but that 40 minute drive, bro. And that uh, toll, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um. Yeah. Well, Tia, as we're as we're wrapping up, how can people follow you online if you in fact wish to be followed? Well, they can follow me on my name on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram is Ms. M I Z T E E Franklin. Um, website tfranklin.com. I will be at New York Comic Con. Oh, for long ass days <laughs> an artist alley at table d as in dog eight and then i will be signing at midtown comics the downtown shop on the the fourth october 4th yeah at uh between eight and eleven that's a long ass signing that night but i'll be there <laughs> with bells on T, thank you so, so, so much. Thank y'all for having me. I appreciate it so much, man. Seriously. Anytime. W-N-Q-A. We're recording on Wednesday. And, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, kind of bummer news. Uh, Norm Breifogel, a longtime Batman artist, uh, died. Uh, Matt, as our uh, resident uh, Batspur, you know, what is your kind of, what is, what is your sort of knowledge relation to uh, Norm's work? I mean, Breifogel was one of the artists who was on, who were on the Bat books when I first started reading. Uh, Jim Aparo was on Batman and Breifogel was on Detective. So I have a lot of fond memories of those early detective story actually for early for me mm -hmm. for Bryfogel, it was the middle of his run uh he he'd been working on detective with alan grant for quite some time uh he co-created with grant uh the ventriloquist and scarface uh the rat catcher anarchy a whole run of seminal like 80s 90s Bat villains. Well, it and, sounds like a lot of which went on to be in the animated series. Absolutely. Uh, he drew what is to me one of my favorite single issues of 
a bat book, uh, Detective Six Seventeen. Uh, it was it's called The Clash of Symbols, and it's it's a pretty simple Batman Joker story, but because it's um, Alan Grant, it's got this sort of weird subtextual thing with tarot cards and Batman and the Joker as sort of archetypes and symbols. And Breifogle drew the hell out of it. Uh, and then after he left Detective, he and Grant went over and started Shadow of the Bat. And they did the first arc and a few scattered issues after that through the first 13 he didn't draw all 13 but he drew the first four which was called the last arkham and introduced he was the co-creator of mr zaz in that arc and jeremiah arkham the grandson of the guy who or grand nephew i think of the guy who of amadeus arkham who built the asylum and it's it is another just phenomenal batman story um he's just his style was so interesting in that time is a juxtaposition against jim aparo who was this sort of very traditional legendary bat artist i mean he'd been working on batman since the late 70s um early with uh bob haney on uh uh, Brave and the Bold. And so you had Aparo's very traditional, very soft, isn't necessarily the right word, but very realistic style. And then Brayfogle's stuff was more angular and a little more dynamic. And they made a great pair of artists on those two books. And I mean, hey, Brayfogle drew the first three parts of Nightfall. I, that's probably the work that most people, if they don't know who he is, if they've read Nightfall, he drew the first three stories, the Mad Hatter story, the Ventriloquist and Amygdala story, and the Zaz story. Um, and I mean, even you get outside of his bat work, I mean, he drew, he co-created Prime, the first of the Ultraverse heroes. He was involved. Wait, was Prime the one with like the impossible number of muscles? Yes. the He was basically, it was a, um, a Captain Marvel Shazam knockoff. Right. It was a kid who could, you know, grow this giant, overly muscled body around his form and became a, a grown up hero with a kid's brain. And ended knock up with the Phoenix the Force. Yeah. And I, I said knockoff and that's unfair to the book. I mean it's it's a, a trope and it uh-huh. played the trope pretty well. Uh he also was one of the guys involved in the um the early stages of Archie changing into what Archie is now, he drew some of what was called the new look, which was the more modern style art Archie stories that were probably, they they were used, they were done in the digests and they were released in sort of digest trades. And he drew the first, arc maybe two arcs of life with archie the uh possible futures with one where archie was married to betty and one where archie was married to veronica he had a a really interesting career but it will always he will be remembered for his batman work because there was a lot of it and it was all really outstanding stuff uh mostly with as i said alan grant who (laughs) what who was one of those three writers, him, uh, Chuck Dixon, and Doug Mensch, who wrote Batman for 
most of the nineties between the three of them. Uh, of all, of all his uh, you know, stories or arcs, is there one in particular that you could point to as, as a favorite? Uh, the last Arkham, the uh, shadow of the bat one to four. Okay. And, uh, and the one-off I mentioned before, Detective 617, mm-hmm. and Shadow of the Bat 13, his final issue of Shadow, uh, called The Nobody, about a, a guy, I believe he was a, I mean, it's been years since I've read it, but I believe he was a, um, a street person who sort of stumbled into Batman fighting some random whatever, and while Batman took the guy out, the guy knocked off Bruce's mask, and this street person saw his face. And it becomes this thing where he first tries to blackmail Bruce Wayne and then winds up being kidnapped for that knowledge to be auctioned off to the underworld. It's it's a one-off and it's a really strong story. And you can probably find it in a dollar bin if you're curious. That's great. Um, well, I guess, I guess at this point there is uh, nothing left to say, but uh, rest in peace. That's it for this week's show. As always, you can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and at WMQComics.com, where new episodes move Monday mornings. You can support WMQ&A and WMQComics.com at Patreon.com slash WMQComics. You can follow WMQComics on Twitter and Facebook, and you can follow me on Twitter at Daniel P. Grote. Finally, check out WMQComics.com for all your comics news, previews, reviews, interviews, and plain old views, and we'll see you next time. W-N-Q-A. W-N-Q-A.